Today's gonna be a good day. I have loved this series called Monsters. And the reason why I've liked it, because I've had so many people say to me, man, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. This series has helped my life and has made me better. And we launched Hope Church. We wanted to be a life-giving church. We wanted people's lives to be changed. And the only thing that we know that can change lives is God's Word. So if you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're joining us for the very first time, it's going to be on the screen for you. You don't have to change to anything. But if you're here this day and you're like, man, are this is, is this some kind of weird kind of church? They're talking about monsters. We are talking about fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, and shame. And it is the thing that when I'm with people, I feel like this is the thing that people struggle with the most. Fear, the worry, the doubt, <clears throat> the anxiety, and the shame. I was talking with a group of people just um, yesterday here, the, the YMCA uh, staff here, and I got to talk to them and I got to talk to them about these monsters that they're dealing with. I was at the hospital taking a tour of the hospital um, at the, um, the new uh, cancer research hospital right here in, um, in, in Ocoee. And I was able to talk to them about the monsters. Every single person can resonate with one of these things. Fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety, and shame. So week one we learned this. We have to identify, you have to identify your monsters. You have to identify your monsters. My monsters are not the same as your monsters, and your monsters are not the same as my monsters. We all have to identify our monsters. And here's what we realize, that monsters don't live in our closets. Monsters live inside of our mind. Monsters don't live inside of our closet. Monsters live in our mind. They're the thing that plague us. And here's the thing. If you don't identify your monsters, your monsters will make a bed in your mind. They'll make a bed inside of your head, and they will live there, and they will hang out. And here's, the, here's another thing. That's, that's crazy, is that monsters typically multiply. Monsters typically multi multiply. I'll be honest with you. Every time I say the word monsters, I am thinking about the Ghostbusters. Straight real talk. Anybody remember the Ghostbusters? Da -na 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 -na. Da -na 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 -na. I am thinking about the Ghostbusters. One of my favorite things about, ghost, ghost, uh, about the Ghostbusters is that they would throw those traps and they would slide them. And when they would get right of the monster, they were shooting them and they would hit that button and it would open up and it would take that monster out. And I love that. Every time you would see it, you're like, man, the end of the show is here. And I couldn't wait to get onto a new show. But whenever I watched it, there was no Netflix. So there was no binge watching, but I could have binge watched Ghostbusters. That was such an exciting moment whenever they got it. And I want to encourage you, if you don't get the monsters, they will multiply. And they will make a bed inside of your house and make a bed inside of your home, and they will live there. And they won't, they won't go until you begin to identify them. You have to identify the problem. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul, the more and more I hang out with him in the Bible, he's dead now. But the more I hang out with him in the Scriptures, I realize that this guy had some monsters. And the greatest leaders that I know had monsters and have to deal with monsters inside their head. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We destroy, I love these words, they're so strong. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. We capture our thoughts and we destroy those jokers. Here's what I want you to know today. If you have a bad thought, you have to capture it and you have to break that thing in half. You have to destroy it because if you don't destroy it, it will stay around and it will multiply. Diana put on a little kid show for us the other day and one of these little gnomes. And these gnomes' job was to kill these monsters. But these monsters, whenever they did, if they didn't kill them fast enough, the monsters would begin to multiply. And I love what the Apostle Paul says. There are bad thoughts that are out there. There are strong thoughts coming out there. And you've got to capture them and you have to destroy them. If you don't capture them and you don't destroy them, 
they will multiply inside of your mind. And you don't want that. You don't want that. So then we also learn about, the, here's some of these monsters. Here's what they'll do to you. I want to convince you to get rid of these monsters. And so here's what I, here's what's last week. Number one, fear will frustrate you. Fear will frustrate you. I meet so many people, they're frustrated. And the reason why they're frustrated is because they're full of fear. Fear will frustrate you. It will, you can't go nowhere. If you're, if you're afraid, you cannot, you cannot go nowhere. If you're afraid to drive today, you cannot go anywhere. You have to stay at your house. Worry will wear you out. Worry will wear, will wear you out. I do not want to live a life of worry. Here's the worst, worst thing about worry. Is worry will make you have these lines across your head. And I don't want those. But you know what they say, black don't crack. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to be okay. But I do not want anyone here to have to have worry because worry will wear you out. And you're not designed to be worn out. Worry will wear you out. Here's the third thing. Doubt will drag you down. Doubt will drag you down. You were not meant to walk around dragging your body. A friend of mine, uh, yesterday I, I saw Amy and she was, or two days ago, she was going by the office to get something. And her husband, his leg was bothering His leg was, was slowing him down. And he found out that he had plantar fasciitis and he has this cool black walking boot. That's not cool. He's not wearing it anymore because it didn't look cool. That's why he's not wearing it. But if he wanted to get better, he'd wear it. Sometimes we want to get better, but we rather look cool too. That's a whole other message. But we could get better, but we want to look cool. And I totally can resonate with that. I wouldn't wear one either. Um, that's a whole other side message. So unless it matched my other shoe, I ain't wearing it. You know what I'm saying? That's just where I'm at. But here's what I realized. He was going to the USF football game yesterday, and if you have to drag a foot, it's hard to get around. It's hard to get up steps if, you've got to, if you have to drag your foot. You were not meant to be dragged around, and doubt will drag you down. Here's the, another thing we looked at. Anxiety will lead you away from God. You are going to be at your best if you're next to God. You're going to be at your best. If you're right next to God, you are at your best. But if you are full of anxiety, you are going away from God, and that is not going to help you. You will not be living your best life if you're filled with anxiety. And then lastly, we looked at it last week, shame will silence you. Shame will silence you. Some of you guys in here today, God has put a word in your heart and you're afraid to say it because of shame. I'm in a lot of environments, a lot of environments where my mouth is, where my mouth is open and I, I am talking. But if I were to let shame fill inside my mind, the monster of shame, it would silence me. It literally takes your mouth and it shuts it and you can't say what God has called you to say. Shame will Silence you. Shame will stop you from inviting that coworker to work, or to, from coworker to work to, to, to church. It, it will silence you. It will silence you when you're at work and you have an opportunity to tell you, that coworker, hey man, God can change your life. It will silence you. In that relationship where you need to ask for forgiveness or you need to forgive somebody, shame will inhibit you from asking for forgiveness or accepting their forgiveness because it shuts your mouth up. Shame will mess you up. You are not designed to live full of shame. It will silence you. I saw this this week. I thought it was important for you to know this, but here's the deal. You can't defeat your monsters if you're still enjoying their company. Come on, somebody. Nod your head. You cannot defeat your monsters if you're enjoying their company. And I've already told you guys this. It's sometimes it's easier to live in fear. Because when you live in fear, you don't have to go nowhere. It's easy to doubt because when you're doubting that you don't have to do anything. It's easy to live in shame because when you don't have shame, you don't have to say anything. The Bible's called you, the God, the God tells us that he's put you on this earth for a purpose. And that purpose is to, is, to, is to populate heaven. To send people, to tell people about Jesus who died on the cross and rose again. from. That's the purpose for your life is to make people's lives better. People, have, people ought to have encounters with you that make their life better. 
But it's going to be really hard for you to do what God's called you to do if you're hanging out with your monsters. Some of you guys, you've been with your monsters for so long, you've named those jokers. <laughs> but you're like, man, I haven't, not only have I named them, they're my best friends. And here's what I know about your monsters. They're always there whether you want them or not. You don't need them, but they're there whether you want them or not. They are there. So you have to identify your monsters. You have to take a hold of them, and you have to break away you have to break away from those monsters. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, again, the Apostle Paul is saying this. Hey, guys, quit being anxious. You were not designed to live in, in anxiousness, if that's a word. You were not designed to live in, to be anxious. <clears throat> but in everything, by prayer and supplication and some thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Most of us in here today, we are living in anxiousness when instead we should be living lives of prayer and supplication where we're going to God and we should be living lives of thanksgiving. You know what thanksgiving is? Thanksgiving is positive. Have you noticed this, that negative people don't like positive people? Have you noticed that? Like positive people can put up with negative people, but negative people do not like positive people. And the same thing with your monsters today. If, if you start speaking life into your situations, your monsters will begin to leave you. Your monsters will begin to run away because they'll get sick of the positivity. The monsters will be like, man, can you just, can we be miserable a little bit longer? Have, if you're honest in your day, how many, how many of you would be honest and say, sometimes you like, you've been okay with being miserable. Like, you've ever been there before? Like, you're like, I just, I just, I want to be miserable. <laughs> I, I want to be mad at you. Like, We've all been there before, but it's hard for us to raise our hand because most of you guys are recovering Baptists. But it's okay to raise your hand. Some of you guys here today, you, you've been miserable for so long that you, you, you can't raise your hand because you forgot and you've kind of gotten used to it. You've kind of gotten used to being miserable. I have thoroughly enjoyed, that's the proper way it says, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching some of you guys that have been at this series the last three weeks, watching your social media feed change. And what I have found about a lot of people, your social media feed, it's either helping or it's hurting. And I just believe that if we're going to be different, our social media feed ought to, be, ought to be helping. It ought to be advancing. It ought to be bringing positivity. I had a friend of mine, she messaged me this morning. Um, her, her daughter goes to our church and she said, I just love your messages on Sunday. And she's like, but more than, that, more than that, she goes, I like your posts throughout the week. Your posts throughout the week are better than your Sunday morning messages. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, your mama, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> she said, I just thoroughly enjoy that. It makes me better throughout the week. Well, I, want, I think God can make us better all the time. I think his word can make us better. I want to promote positive messages. And the most positive message that I know is this book. This is the most positive message there is, is, is this book. This book, will, this book has changed people's lives. There's a lot of books out there, but they're not changing people's lives. But this book right here, this Bible, it will change. It'll change your life. So he says here, here's, a, here's, a, here's why you have to read the Bible. This is so important. Check this. He says in this passage of Scripture, when you, when you start living lives that are thankful, when you start praying and you, start, and you quit worrying, he says, here's what happens. The peace of God which blows your mind, it, it surpasses your understanding, it will guard your heart and your minds through Jesus Christ. Here's what I would suggest to you today. You will never, ever get the peace if you're living in the worry. You'll never, ever get the, the joy if you're living in the past. 
If you're living in doubt, if you're living in worry, if you're living in anxiety, if you're living in your past, if you're living in your depression, if you're living yesterday, you'll never ever get the joy tomorrow. You'll never get the peace in the future. But so much of us entertain and follow this. I think this, I think this makes sense and I think it works. Have you noticed this? We have a situation in life. Things are not going the way that, we, that they should go. And we begin to worry. And we begin to, begin to be frustrated. And we begin to doubt. And we begin to have all these negative thoughts. So they're there. Our situation's there. And our negative Nancy is there. The negative version of you. Not the positive version of you. The negative. You're there. And you're, and you have, it's not going to get any better. It's terrible. I mean, this is, you're, you're basically realizing, I mean, this, my whole, your whole world's falling apart. And you know the problem is? It's a flat tire. And everything is, oh, my whole life is miserable. I'm not going to make it. My best is not yet to come. I'm going to die today because I have a flat tire. Or because someone didn't return my text message back within 30 seconds. So whatever the thing is, it's really, really, really small, but we've been worried about it. But there's bigger things. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our fitness and our, and our physical health. And things are not going the way that we thought they would go. We begin to worry. But here's what I have realized every single time. The moment that I trade my worry for trust in God, automatically, the moment I make the decision to trade that out, peace begins to fill me. Have you noticed that? We spend so much time worried about things. I heard someone say recently that worry is putting a down payment on something that's never gonna, that you're not going to buy. Something that's never ever going to happen. Isn't that silly? Why would, you, why would you put a down payment on a car you weren't going to buy or a house you're going to buy? Why would you put a down payment on something that may not happen? Why would you worry? You spend most of your day worrying. And typically the things that we worry about, have you ever noticed this? The things that we worry about, they typically never ever come to play. They never come into action. You know, I told you guys my story a few, a few months ago. I got a phone call from the executive director of the YMCA. And I just automatically thought, they are kicking us out of the YMCA. That's what I thought. The week of Easter, I'm like, oh, this is miserable. Where are we going to have Easter service at? We're not going to make it. I called that guy three days later because I was worried. I called his, his, the guy right below him, and he was basically like, you need to call the guy. And I began to worry more. Hey, Easter was our best Easter. We saw lots of people say, but guess what? We're still at the YMCA. I worried about something that never, ever was going to happen or that didn't happen. So we have to take these thoughts and our anxiousness and we have to trade them out for trust. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. <clears throat> That's a good person to give your worries to, a God who cares about you. Can I tell you what I have realized? Most of the people that we're worried about don't care about us. Oh, Wes, don't say that. That's not nice. They don't. I care about you guys. I love you guys. I want you to make it. I want you to live your best life. I want you to, be, I want you to go further. I don't want you to go further backwards. I want you to go further forward. I want that for you guys. And here's what I get out of that. Nothing. I get nothing out of that. I get to see you live your best life. That's, that's all I want to do. Pastor Collins here today. He has a church. Church plan just like ours. He said, man, I just want to come see what you guys are doing. He wants to make sure that he's setting up environments at his location, wherever he, in Lake Nona, so that people could come and meet Jesus. What do we get out of that? We get nothing. We get to make people's lives better. And we get to answer the calling that God's put on our life, was to go out and to reach people. 
And so that's what we're, that's what we're doing. But we got to give our, if we spend most of our days worrying, we'll never do what God's called us to do. So you got to give your worries and your cares to God because he cares about you. And most people that you're dealing with, they don't care about you. You want people, my, my wife said to me last night, she goes, hey, I need you to care about what I'm telling you about right now. Just heads up. You got to care about this. I said, yes, ma'am. Because I'm not stupid. You know, <laughs> I was like, whatever you say. Yes, honey. We got to give our cares and our worries to God because he cares about us. Here's what I realized, though. Most people, and I want to encourage you with this, don't hang out in environments with heavy amounts of monsters. Don't hang out. You have to write that one down. You can't take a picture of it because it's on the screen. But don't hang out in environments with heavy amounts of monsters. And I have realized that negative people trend to hang out with more negative people. If you struggle with fear and everyone else you know struggles out with fear, you are in an unhealthy environment that's going to drag you down, not lift you up. I posted this week, man, you got to have positive people in your life. And 112 people like that, and two people thought I was doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and here's what I realized in life. Everyone's not going to like what I like. Not everyone's going to believe what I believe. But here's what I do know. If you are hanging out in heavy amounts of monsters, environments where there's heavy amounts of monsters, then you yourself are dealing with heavy amounts of monsters. So if you have a Bible, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I want to I share with you guys some things that the Apostle Paul shared with me. We're good, we become really good friends. The Apostle Paul deals with fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety because he's human, and humans deal with it. And the humans that don't struggle with it the most, they keep on walking while they're struggling with it. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says this, a final word. Now catch the context. The Apostle Paul is sitting in a prison cell. And he's given his best words. He's given his, his Grammy-winning award speech. He's giving his funeral, his address right before he leaves this earth. He's given his final words to this church. Hey, guys, here is the most important thing that I, you have to get. And here's what he says, and we got to listen to him. Be strong in the Lord. Some of you guys need to tell you, you need to know this, that worldly strength is not the same as spiritual strength. Worldly strength is I can go in the gym tomorrow and I can deadlift 425 pounds. But can I tell you, that's not going to help the monsters inside of my mind. You have to have some spiritual strength. You need to have some spiritual muscles. You need to have something inside of you that's greater than what's on the outside of you. You've got to have some stuff inside of you. He says, be strong in the things of the Lord and in his mighty power. Can I tell you something today? I don't have to have all the strength because I know the one who has the strength. I'm okay. I told you guys, I travel with Josh. Josh like, hey, I, I carry a gun. I said, I love you. I don't have to carry a gun if I'm with a guy who carries a gun because he's got my back. I'm good to go. You're, you're good to go. If I'm with a handful, there's about six of these guys. I'm looking around. I, I, when I get up here, I find out where all the guys I know that are packing guns. I want to make sure that they're where I need to be at to make sure that I'm good to go. If they're on this side, you'll notice. I'll, I'll preach from this side. <laughs> Sorry, Di. Just saying. I got to take care of myself, you know. I'm just kidding. I, I got to know where they're, I got to know where they're at. I got to make, I'm moving around and if I see them go to the bathroom, I'll just, and they come back and they stand against the back wall. I got to know where my people are at. And I want you to know that God, God's your man. God's your superhero. God, God, God has all the superpowers you need. God's got your back. You can be next to him. He has all the power. He's got the power. I almost went into a song. Pump the brakes. Here's what he says. Hey guys, put on all of God's armor. God gives you all the armor that you need. 
and you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of this devil. Now check this. We are not fighting, Hope Church, people in Hope Church, this community, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against people. That's what's wrong with our world. People are fighting people. That would change America. If we would all quit fighting with each other, that would be a good start. Kindness is free and it goes a long way. I got that from Lady Gaga if you need a source. But we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are fighting monsters, and they're not people. Now, monsters live in people, but we're not fighting with people. We're fighting a bigger war. There's a bigger war going on. Verse 13, it says this. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Get this. You're in a battle and you're going to win because you're with God and he is for you. My wife told me, she says, I like any song that has God is for us in it because it is a great reminder. And I... Diana, like any song that has the phraseology or the idea of chains being broken because we live in a society where we are being chained down by these monsters. And if God can break the chains, then I am down. I'm down with that, DWT. So the next part of that I want to read to you, verse 21. To bring you up today, guys, Tychicus, old Ty dog, he will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I'm getting along. Now, you would be thinking what I'm thinking. You're not doing that good, Paul, because you're in prison, Paul, and you're writing a letter, and you have no electronics, no tablets. Like, what is he doing in prison? He's writing encouraging letters to his squad. That is a good thing to do. He goes, hey, guys, he is a beloved brother and faithful helper in God's work. Now, mind you, the people at Ephesus are reading this letter that they did not get hand-delivered by Paul. They're getting it hand-delivered by, by, um, by Tychicus. And it's funny to me, as I'm reading this passage of Scripture, that just now, at the very last part of this, they're like, by the way, the guy that, the guy that gave you the letter, his name is Tychicus. Just want to let you know he's good. He's with us. He's one of our peoples. We're good. So he says in verse 22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Verse 23. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. And may God's grace be eternally upon all who are, upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is important that you need to know this. And every single one of Paul's letter he ends it with this. He says, I've come to you guys with grace and peace, and I'm leaving you with grace and peace. Now, this is free today. When you come to people, you ought to go to them with grace and peace. And when you leave them, you ought to leave them with grace and peace. Just nod your head. You should not go with, I'm about to go wear this fool out. I'm going to let them know what's up. And that's what we do. I hope someone comes across me because I'm going to let them know who's, I'm going to let them know who the boss is. That's not healthy because you're not going to leave them better. If you go to them with your, my son, I'm getting sick of him. He's seven. 
he comes to me the other day, and he puts his chest out, and he's like, bow up, dad. I back down. I'm like, bow up. I backed up three feet, and I was like, you know. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. Immensely, I did that. I can't confirm or deny whether or not I did that. And neither can he because he was knocked out. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> he's like, bow up. I'm like, dude, we, you, don't, you don't bow up. The other day, I, I saw him walk by his sister. His chest is out. I said, dude, come here. I said, what's up? He said, what's up, dad? I said, don't talk to me like that. I'm your dad. <laughs> yes, sir. He said, call me Pastor Wes. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> he goes, I said, dude, you can't bow up at girls. Like, and hope she'll beat you up. I mean, she fights like Diana, and that's how I know. Like, she, Diana is strong. I'm like, dude, you don't bow up at girls. You never bow up at girls. The other day, I'm at the house. A few days later, he listens really, really well. And he wasn't bowing up to Hope anymore. He was bowing up to Selah. She's four. He's like, bow up. <laughs> bow up. I mean, she's at, the, he's like, bow up. I'm like, dude. He's like, you told me not to bow up to Hope. I said, I told you not to bow up to girls. You listened to part of what I told you. And some of you ladies are like, that is so what's wrong with my husband. He only listens to part of what I say. Can you help my brother out? Hey, we're going to make it. We're going to figure it all out, ladies, when we get to heaven. So until then, be patient. He says here in this passage of Scripture, the very last things he says to them is this. Hey, guys, I want to come at you with peace. And I want to leave you with peace. Here's what I think you need to know. Here's what I think will help you. I'm pretty positive will help you. And it's this. In this room here today, we have got to build monster walls. It's the only way to keep the monsters out. Let me go ahead and illustrate. I got hardcore judged this week. There's a thing called low-key DM. Slide up in my DM, low-key. There is also a thing called hardcore judgment. I had a friend tell me, she's not here today. I wish she was here. My friend Barb, she's not here, so I'm going to put her on blast. <clears throat> she goes, you use a lot of props. I've noticed you use a lot of props. And I was like, she's like, I really love it. It's awesome. She's like, is that to help you with your ADHD? <laughs> so I wrote back, yo mama, you know, like. I'll your mom, I don't care who it is, you know. <clears throat> Here's what I realized. Yesterday we, we sold a baby gate. And I just want to let you know, I am so thankful to the Lord that I am past the season. Hallelujah, Jesus. I could speak in all the languages right now because I am so thankful that I am out of the baby gate season. Dinah did say to me, be careful what you wish for. Thank God her tubes are tied. But you know what I'm saying? God does have a sense of humor. And he hates me. So... So this lady says, I need one of those. I need, a, I need to buy this baby gate. And this guy's like, this is really awesome. It keeps, it keeps the kids in. Keeps the, it keeps the kids in or it keeps them out of wherever you want them to go. It's really, really awesome. And, and, and Dino's wearing this. This is yesterday at our garage. So we have this garage. So what you have, if you have a garage, so that is code for we only do that in America. I was going to say something else, but I had to navigate away from it. Only, only in America do we sell our junk to other people to buy our junk. They don't do that in other parts of the world. Just, just. I've been around the world. They don't do that. Only in America. So this lady says to me, I, I need this gate. I really need, I really need that gate. And Diana's like, Diana was wearing this shirt that said CrossFit Winter Garden Hope Church. And the lady, and lady says, oh, I have an 11-year-old that goes to your gym. And I looked over. I was like, ma'am, this, this will not work for 11-year-olds. This is really only for, for, for little kids. But here's what I realized about these, about these monster walls. 
is that a lot of people, instead of putting them where they're, we had to tell her where to put it at, a lot of people, instead of putting it where they're at, they really build up walls, and they really put themselves in a prison. And I meet so many people that have constantly putting up these walls, and they're putting up walls to keep themselves away from people. And what I want to encourage you today is that you do need monster walls. You do need to put some walls up. I am for walls. But here's the deal. Walls, they keep the monsters out. But if you put this where it's supposed to be at, it will allow people in. Does that make sense? Monster walls let people in and they keep monsters out. But a lot of us in here today, we're putting this in the wrong place and we're building a wall and we're keeping people out. But here's the deal. When you put this up here, it blocks your mind. And when it blocks your mind, it locks you away from people and it locks the monsters inside of your mind. Just nod your head because this is preaching better than you're kind of giving me a heads up for. Like just nod your head and pretend like you like it. Monster walls let people in, but it keeps monsters out. Now this is awesome. This keeps my monsters out of the rest of the house. And in this room here today, this isn't going to open up. This isn't mine. I sold mine yesterday. I had to borrow this. But here's what I realized. If you're, this is awesome because this keeps the kids in. And we don't need to open these walls up to get in. As long as you're not wearing skinny jeans, it's easy to go over this wall. But we got to start being a people who are building these walls that keep the monster out. But we got to let more people inside of our lives. People aren't the problem. The monsters are. But we put this gate up right here and we lock the monsters in and we keep the people out. You'll never be all that God's called you to be until you get a Tychicus. Until you get someone say, hey, I wrote this letter for you guys. I'm in prison, by the way. But the best is yet to come. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you guys. I remember you guys. But I remember you. And until you drop down this wall and put it in the proper place, you'll never be able to hand the letter. You'll never be able to build relationships. We meet so many people that are lonely because they have no people in their lives. And they're dealing with all these monsters. And they got no help. And here's the deal. You might like, I'm not dealing with monsters. We all deal with monsters. Monsters love three kinds of people. Monsters love, love, love lonely people. If you're lonely, you're a monster's best friend. Well, I don't want to be. Well, you are. Can I tell you something? This is free. Just got this this last week. Eve was lonely whenever Satan came up to her and he said, Hey, did God really say that we're not supposed to eat that fruit? Where was Adam at? He wasn't there. Check my theology, Colin. Email me if I'm wrong. He wasn't there. Here's what I would suggest to you today. If Eve, if Adam would have been there, there would have never been no fall. Now I know you're saying, well, Wes, you can't say that. And are you trying to change your theology? I'm not changing my theology. I'm just saying, if he would have been there, because here's what I know. Where two or three are gathered, there God is. And she was lonely, and she made a bad decision. Because here's the deal. When you're lonely... You make bad decisions, not your head. When you're lonely, you make bad decisions because you have no one to run it by. Hey, what do you, if I, if I launched a church, you guys, if I had no people around me to say, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about this? I yesterday got on a phone call. I'm coaching a guy. He's launching church in Austin, Texas. Yeehaw. And flooding's coming up. He had evacuated his, his, his executive pastor's house. The water's right up to his door and it's still, the, the water's still rising. We talked for an hour and 50 minutes. I carved an hour out for him. We went two hours into it. You know what he knows? He doesn't want to make a bad decision. I've already launched a church. Why wouldn't he ask me? 
when we went to two services, you know who I called? I called Colin. I'm like, you've already been there, done that. What's it look like? What am I supposed to do? Because I don't want to do it alone. Because I'm better together. I'm going to call Colin. Colin, what do you think? And now Colin calls me and says, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And we take turns because we're better together. We can, we can reach Lake Nona and Winter Garden a lot better if we, if we, if we can collaborate. If MTV people, the people, the, the superstars and, the, and the, everyone else, if they know that they're supposed to collaborate, the church better get on program and realize we're called to collaborate. And by the way, we are the church. If you don't collaborate with anybody, the monsters are running rampant. Monsters love lonely people. Here's the second people monsters love. Monsters love lazy people. You know what I think? I think Judas got lazy. I think Judas got lazy. He was doing good, and then he got lazy. When you get lazy... When you get lazy, you just let your guard down. I don't want to get lazy. I don't want to get lazy in my marriage. I don't want to get lazy in my finances. I don't want to get lazy with reaching the, reach people for the church. I was telling my friends from Minnesota the other day, I was like, we're going to start another campus. Because the moment we get lazy, we'll be part of the 85% of churches that are in plateau or decline. I don't want to get lazy. I want to keep on working. I don't want to be lazy. And monsters, are, monsters fill people's heads up that are lazy. I think Judas got lazy and he quit working hard and he was struggling. And he's like, man, I could, I'd love to have a Starbucks. And he's like, man, I could go out and work for it or I could just take money from the Roman government and sell Jesus out. And you see where that got him? The monsters filled his head, they multiplied and he took his life. Monsters love lazy people. Here's the third person. Colin, this is for you. For every, this is for you, Chase. Thought about you all week. I woke up this morning. By the way, I woke up this morning at 5.30, and I preached this sermon. Dude, you guys were clapping. You guys were shouting it down. Dude, I was, I was going, that's good. I like it. People were saying, I like it, white boy. I like it, I like it black boy. Someone was like, I like it, brown boy. Like, everybody was shouting me down. It was awesome. And then my alarm clock went off. I'm like, dang it, that was a dream. I was so mad. I'm like, dude, you are killing it. They had to bring the microphone volume down because you were just slaying it. <laughs> Thank you. What is wrong with me? I don't know. But here's what I know. Monsters love leaders. They love leaders. Because leaders are full of vision. And if a leader can go down, so can the vision. And if the vision goes down, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Translation, where there is no vision, winter garden goes to hell. And I just believe that God has put me in this city to make sure no one goes to hell. I want to depopulate hell, and I want to populate heaven. I want to make sure everyone in the city knows there's a Jesus who loves them and has a plan for their life. I want to make sure everybody knows that. And because I know that, I want to make sure when I get my monsters, I want to snap them in half and let them know I don't play, yo. I'll preach to the monsters. I wish I had my hand held. I wish I had my hand held. Why don't I have my hand held? It's because I had this gate. No, I don't pick these illustrations for me. They're for everybody else. I, dude, I was preaching. And at some point in the, in the 30 minutes, I put my leg up and I was going like this too. It was awesome. I was like chewing while I was preaching. I don't know what it was. I was like, hey, I don't know what was going on, but I was preaching. 
because I know there are real monsters and I know that God doesn't want any of you guys in here today to be filled with them. And that's why I'm preaching. That's why I raise my voice. I was asking myself the question, Wes, why were you raising your voice? I asked myself that question at about 5.55 this morning. And I was like, Wes, the reason why you were asking that question is because you want to, the reason why you are raising your voice is because you want to make sure everybody heard you. Hey, this is free. This is not in the Bible, but I think this is 100% true. And here's the deal. I always give you guys best case scenario ever. Always. And I always post pictures when there are, when everybody's in the room and I get, I know, I know how to take a selfie. I know how to do the highlight reel. Colin said to me, dude, your highlight reel is killer. That's how leaders talk. Your highlight reel is on point. Are you guys running 5,000? And I was like, yes. <laughs> of course we are. Like pastors only post the pictures when it's max capacity and everybody is full. And then we go to the camera guy who's also the sound guy. I'm like, hey, Eloy, make sure you get the pictures when it looks like there's a million people in the room. I did group this week. I had a community group this week. This is, this is not highlight reel. I don't know what the opposite of the highlight reel is. This is it. It was just me and Chase in the group. There's seven dudes normally. It was just me and Chase. I'll be honest with you today. I don't know if you're in this room here today and you're in that group. Don't see any those guys here. They were in the first service. It was our best group ever. I love those dudes. But, dude, I had, to, I had the whiteboard out. We were doing a chalk talk. Dude, I was talking. I was... I was, go, me and Chase were going out, like, we, like, we, we started, like, six campuses on the whiteboard. Like, we were, like, ready to go. Like, I ordained him. His kids, whenever he has kids, like, they're the next future pastors of the next church camp in 20 years. Like, we were, like, we were just, like, dreaming. Like, we were just going. He took out his notebook. He couldn't even write because the deals were just flowing. Like, he was just, like, forget it. Just let his notebook over. He's, like, y'all just use that for youth group control. Like, I just closed my notebook. This thing, it was just, like, going. We were, it was just going off. The party was going off. It was just me and him. I love being around people. Can I tell you what I told Chase and I'll tell you guys? I don't have a lot of monsters, and I wish I could tell you that I do. And I ask myself the question, how can you get up there and preach about something that you don't struggle with? And I think it's because this. The quality of your community determines the quantity of your monsters. The girl said to me this. She walked out today. I don't remember who it was, but she's like, dude, I memorized that. I said, that was, that was my goal. The quality of your community determines the quantity of your monsters. I don't struggle with doubt because I have a lot of friends who don't struggle with it. And when I'm around them, they talk me out of that monster. Here's what I learned from youth group. I don't go to youth group, but if you have a kid, you ought to go to youth group. But you just, it starts with a little idea and that idea becomes an action, and that action becomes a habit. Just, that's the way it works, typically how it works. So for me, when I get a negative thought, I wanna demolish it, like Paul says, demolish that thought. If you can demolish it, then it won't become an action, and then action won't become a habit. You following me? So I don't struggle with, name the next thing. Can I tell you this? I hardly ever, even eat a meal by myself. I sat with a leader this week for lunch. I did eat lunch by myself. Fridays, I typically don't hang out with people. Like if you invite me to go out to eat on a Friday or to go hang out or to get a pedicure, like I'll say yes. But typically on a Friday, I'm, I'm, I'm usually by myself. Um, <clears throat> I'm always with people. I'm better for that. It makes sense. I'm always with people because I'm, they're able, so when, I, when I'm struggling, when I'm struggling with my, with my leadership, 
chase when I'm like, man, I'm just not a good leader. I'm around other leaders. I, I go sit with Randy. He's a leader, and he's like, hey, don't. That's normal. Take that thought and throw it away. When I'm struggling with worry, I'm just, I'm always around people, so I'm never, ever struggling. I, I was going to text Giselle this week. And this is what I think about Giselle. Every time I'm with her, I, the other day we dropped our kids off. And every time I'm around Giselle, I just want to keep on talking to you, Giselle. It sounds so weird. Like, that's weird. Like, you, she's my, she's like, is she your family? Yeah, she's my family. I want to talk because she has a, it's like a calming thing that she has. And, like, she's interested. And I just want to talk. And every time she walks in, I'm like, are we, are we done talking? Like, I, I'm not done talking, you know. Like, and maybe partially is my problem is I don't want to get in the car with my twins for 25 minutes. Maybe. I don't know. But I just, like, when I feel like I'm, I'm like, I'm like, she's such a peaceful person to talk to. I'm like, it's okay. I am always around people. So I just believe this. The quality of your community determines the quantity of your monsters. And so I can't tell you this is 100% factual. I would just ask you to try it. I'm around people all the time. And I realize the more I'm around people, the amount of monsters have decreased in my life. You can try it if you want. It may be for you. I probably could find a verse in scripture for it somewhere, but I just fear you take my word for it. I don't struggle with a lot of monsters because I have a lot of people. My, I have really good people around me. I was telling my friends from Minnesota, I am so afraid for a church to get too big because I worry about the monsters that will come with that. I was telling another friend of mine, they said about, he said, you're going to be okay. I said, why? He goes, because you have a lot of people, a lot of good people around you. So, hey, I'm done. Next week, I, I'll give you next week's message in case you don't want to come. Um, <clears throat> I believe this. The answer to all the monsters is Jesus. That's next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. And hopefully it's going to encourage you. Can you stand to your feet? Here's our take home today. Every single one of you guys, you have to go from, you have to go from here to here with the walls. Quit locking people out because you'll never, ever grow if you keep unlocking people out. You're going to have to lower the walls. It'll keep the monsters out and let the people in. Maybe there's someone in your life or maybe you've been too afraid to let some good people in. Would you ask God who those good people are at? Would you begin to ask him to help? Would you ask him to start sending some of those good people your way? And would you ask God to help you to maybe forgive some people that you probably should maybe run into in a positive way? You should go in, in their direction.